Good morning. Um, today's daf is daf Chof Dalad. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Yochevet Chaya Bas Chaim Shmuel and Nochum Ben Pinchas. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. It is also for a full Shleima of Chaya Chayka Bas Boba Michla and Yitzchak Yehuda Ben Miriam and Elisheva Bas Baila. Bas? Liba, Bas, Liba. May, she, may they all have a complete and speedy recovery. Amen. Okay, so yesterday we got up to the third last line, fourth last line of Chof Gimel Amor Beis, 23b. Remember the Mishnah was discussing, if you had two sisters married to two different men, unrelated men, and you're not sure which sister, ma- and they're not sure which sister married which man. Okay, as we said at the end of the yesterday's year, it's quite hard to construe such a case. But there is, there are possibilities. So if you have that, we mention that, and then those men die without children, so those wives fall in Yubum. The problem is, and this again, the Gemara has basically brought out all the problems, is they, for one of the brothers to do Yibum, it could be Achazukukasa, if he was supposed to do Yibum to the other sister. Then he had a zikah to her, he had a connection, a, a marriage to her. So he's not allowed to do yibum, he's not allowed to marry his sister, the sister of the zikah, The other problem is, if she's from the other husband, then she's what's called a yavama l'shuk. A, a, a yavama, a woman who's waiting for yibum, is not allowed to marry another man, except her brother-in-law, unless he does chalitza. So we ran into those uh, problems. Um... And then, so, but, but based on the previous cases, and then we said, so theoretically you could have the first brother doing chalitza on both women. And then in the second set of brothers, from the second man, you can have the first one do chalitza, and then the second one do yibum. That's the case we brought. The problem is, in the previous case that the Mishnah brought, it was basically the same, it was just that if there was one brother to the one of the deceased, and two brothers to the other deceased, but it, it brought out these same principles. So the Gemara asks, third last line, says, Why do we need this case? Just as we've learned above. So it says, No, you might have thought. Ligzor, in this case, there should be a gzaira. There's an added danger. Why? That he might do yibum without chalitza. That if one of the two brothers do yibum before the other set of brothers do chalitza, there's the double danger, the double problem of your Yavomala Shuk and Achos Kukoso. So maybe therefore, again, remember we've got two, men, two unrelated men married to two sisters. They're just not sure which one's married to which sister. And they each die and they leave over two brothers. If, if one of the brothers come, of, let's say, of, this, of the one set and do Yibum before the other brothers done Chalitza. Like I said, you have this double danger of it might be his Achos Kukoso, Kamash Malam, that we don't make Xaira, we, that we still apply this Halacha, that the first set have to do Chalitza, but the second set can still do Yibum. We don't say Yibum is completely Osur. Now the Gemara asks a comparison between this case and a later case. He says, Why is our case different from the following Mishnah, a Mishnah later on? If you have four brothers, four brothers, and two of those brothers married two sisters, 
and they die. And, the di- and they die. The, sorry, the ones who are married to sisters die. The two living brothers have to do chalitza and not yibum. This is different to our case because, again, our case, and yeah, and there it says if both brothers do yibum, they have to get divorced. Where in our case, we know if both brothers, at least of the second set, do yibum, they can remain married. So again, so why, when we have two men married to two sisters, not sure which one's married to which sister, and then they die. Again, okay, ideal is at least the first one must do the, the first set does chalitza, and then of the second set, the one does chalitza and the one do, does yibum. But if they both do yibum, you allow them to remain married. But in the Mishnah over there, with the case of four brothers, two married to two sisters, and two are married to the sisters, da, the other two brothers have to do chalitza, and if they do yibum, we make them get divorced. So why is there such a difference? And what it says, how can you compare the cases? Awesome. Over there. Now we're going to fit this in and say there's over there we run into trouble whether you learn Yezika or whether you learn Einzika. Remember a few, a few days ago we learned, again, Yezika means that there's this, that when a woman falls to Yibum, to, there's a semi-marriage to the brother-in-laws. That's Yezika. Einzika is there. It's not that semi-marriage. However, there's another concern of Mavatli Mitzvah's Yibum. You're not allowed to do something that cancels the mitzvah of Yibum, that prevents you doing the mitzvah of Yibum. So, let's say, so, according to the opinion that there is a zikah, well, there is definitely a zikah. Okay? When the two sisters fall to the two brothers, if one of the brothers does Yibum, he's definitely doing Yibum to the sister of his zikah, to the sister of his semi-wife, which, as we know, you're not allowed to marry your wife's wife, and therefore you would not be allowed to marry your zikah's wife. You're, you're, you're not allowed to marry your wife's sister, and therefore you're also not allowed to marry your Zika's sister. And if you want to say there that the reason is because you might come to cancel the mitzvah of Yibum, well, as we know, you're not allowed to cancel the mitzvah of Yibum. Again, um, if one of the brothers do Yibum, as we said with Mavatli Mitzvah Yibum, we take it very far. But the concern is, again, you have these two women waiting to do Yibum, if one of the brothers does yibum to the one woman, again, he's not holding, he, according to him, there's no problem with zika. However, if the other brother does, then the second woman's going to be, go free. Because the other brother-in-law is married to her sister. So by doing yibum to her sister, he's setting up the possibility of cancelling yibum if the fourth brother dies before doing yibum to her. And because of that, it would be also. But either way, there, there's a definite problem. Either of Zika or Mavatli Mitzvah Each man can say, I'm doing Yibum to the, to the correct woman. And no one can disprove it because we're in doubt as which is the correct woman. And therefore, out of that Sophic, we would let him remain married. Um, again, because again, here, he's two, in the case of the four brothers married to two sisters, they were definitely married to his brothers. In the case that our mission is discussing, is remember, we're not sure which of the two sisters is married to his brother. So when he does yibum to the one, he can assert, I'm doing yibum to the correct one. And we can't disprove him. And once we, don't, once we have that doubt, and we don't, we, can't, we don't have the power, the authority, to make him get divorced based on such a, a suspicion. Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah. Nasa short Mishnah. Mitzvah begodol yabem ve'im koton ve'im koton ha'koton zochor. 
The mitzvah, oh, did I, I skipped, I skipped, sorry, sorry. Kodma Vakonsu, Ein Moitzi, and then we said, yeah, if he does, if he jumps the gun and does Yibum, we don't make him get divorced. It says, Tanya Shilav, Afilushnaim Kohanim, this is even if both of them are Kohanim. What's the problem if they are both Kohanim? So, remember you have the two sets of brothers, you have the two different sets of brothers, so when the first set of brothers do Chalitza, we said if the second set of brothers both, we tell the first one to do Chalitza and the second one to do Yibum, but if they both do Yibum, we leave them. Now there's an interesting halacha that a Kohen, we know, well, we know a Kohen is not allowed to marry a Grushi, he's not allowed to marry a divorced woman. Therefore, Chalitza is very similar to divorce, so he's also not allowed to marry a woman who Chalitza was done to. Now remember, of those two women that the two brothers are marrying them, one had Chalitza done to her. The other one, they did Chalitza to her, but she wasn't really ever married, so it doesn't do anything. If you go up to a random woman in the street and do Chalitza to her, with her, there's no, it's not, it doesn't work. She's not, uh, she doesn't become your Chalitza also. She doesn't become also to Kohanim. So, so to hear of the two women, the one woman is a chalutza, is a chalutza, because when the other two, when the other brother, when the, sorry, when the other man's brother did chalitza to the one woman, it was a good chalitza. The other woman, it was just an, an act. We just don't know which one's the correct one. So one of these are definitely married to to chalutza also, to a woman who had chalitza done to her. So he says. Um, Says my time a chalutza derabbanan he v'sofei chalutza lo kol shabarabbanan. No, because chalitza um, this that is forbidden to marry a woman who had chalitza done to her is only a derabbanan, and therefore in the case of a doubt, we're not sure if chalitza was done to her if she's the one who had chalitza done to her. Therefore, the rabbis are make the victory for chalutza derabbanan. He v'hot you tell me it's derabbanan. What about the following brayza? It says grusha ani ela grusha. But the fact that the pasuk says a coin is not allowed to marry a grusha, I would assume it's limited to a grusha. Chalutza minayin. How do I know that it includes the chalutza? Talmud loymar veisha. It says veisha grusha. Oh, um, it's adding in other woman, even a chalutza. So we see that there's a pasuk that tells us a coin is not allowed to marry a woman who had chalutza done to her. So it says no midrabbanan uva krach machla amahu. It's midrabbanan, and the pasuk is just an asmachta. It's just a support for where the rabbis made their halacha based on. So that it is, it's only drabonon for a kohen to marry a... This that a kohen is not allowed to marry a chalutza, so it's only a drabonon. Okay. Mitzvah begodali avim v'im kodom hakatan zocha. The new Mishnah says, the mitzvah is for the oldest son to do yibum, but if he jumps, if one of the younger brothers get up and do yibum first, zocha he... Merits her. Uh, it's not an invalid yimum, it's not limited to the oldest brother, etc. Now we're going to discuss, in the Gemara, we're going to discuss the Possum. So I just want to read the Possum and I'll tell you, show you that there are two ways of reading the Possum. So the first way, which is the way we're going to exclude from, the first way it says, And the oldest son which you gave birth to. Sounds like we're speaking about the son of the Yovom and the Yovoma. I said, the first son of the... So again, you had a man who died without children, so his wife and brother did Yibum, and now it sounds like we're speaking about their first son. Yokum al-Shem Ochiv will be set up in the name of his brother, Hamais, who is deceased. Veloyim Choshmom Yisrael, and his name should not be erased from Yisrael. So the first way of reading the Apostle, it sounds like we're reading it as the son of the Yovam and the Yovama. The correct way of reading the Apostle, as we'll see from the Gemara, it says, Vahoyo Habachor, and the elder of the brothers. 
I, Bukhar here doesn't mean Bukhar. We're going to address why it uses the word Bukhar. But it means the older of the brothers. Asher Taleid. Yokum al will establish his brother's name. Okay, and then we'll see exactly what those terms mean, all the terms mean. But that's just to be aware that there's two ways of understanding the, the, the when you start reading the Pasuk, it's a little bit of confusion. Are we referring to the older son of the Yavam and the Yavama? Or are we referring to the older of the brothers? It's Tan Yavam. When it says Vahoyabachor and the Bachor, the oldest, literally the firstborn, that's teaching us that the mitzvah is with the oldest of his brothers, or the not literally the oldest, not literally the Bachor, but the oldest of the brothers. To do Yibum. Ah, so he's speaking about the Yobam. We're not speaking about the Yobam son. Asher Taleid, Protlahilonis, who will give birth. That's to exclude an islandish, Shainiolatis, which can't give, who can't give birth. Remember, islandish is that woman who doesn't develop maturity. Yokum al Shaym Ochuv, Lenachala, will take the place of his brother in regards to inheritance. Ata Omer Lenachla, Ainalela Shaym. Yosef Koinos, Yosef, Yosef Koinos, Yochanan. You telling me. It, he takes the place of his brother for inheritance, i.e. he inherits his brother, maybe it's telling us he takes the place of his brother, i.e. he names his son after his son. It says, Yokum al who should be set up for the name of his brother. His child should be named after his deceased brother. If it was Yosef, Yosef, and if it was Yochanan, Yochanan. So he says, Neymar Khan, Yokum al Shem Ochiv, Neymar Laholan al Shem Achehem Yikru Benachalosom. It's written over here by the name of his brother, and it says over there, this is by Yaakov speaking to Yosef, by the name of their brother, they will be called in regards to inheritance. Right, so we see when it says, Shemochiv, it's referring to, So the shame here refers to inheritance. Aye, he takes the place of his brother for inheritance. Veloyim and his name will not be erased. Protlus, so who's that excluding? We've already said that he doesn't have to name his son after. His Protlusoris, Sheshmo Mahui. This excludes a Soris, someone, a man who's castrated, who can't have children, because his name is already erased. I, if the brother, yeah, you don't do Yibum with someone who's a Soris. And if the brother was a Soris who died without children, well then he, you also don't do Yibum. So what have we said? What's the important point for us? Is that firstly, Bukhar doesn't mean literally the Bukhar, and it doesn't mean the oldest son, it means the brother of the Yobam, that's who does Yobam. And then it says, Yokum al Shem Ochiv is specifically referring to the inheritance. When it says that he marries his brothers, the Yobama, he does Yibum to the Yobama, and he will set it up in the place of his brother, that's for inheritance, not to do with the name. Sounds very much like the Apostle is saying, you name his son after his, he names his son after his, uh, well, the son's, uh, the the one who did Yibum names the son after his deceased brother. That's what it sounds like. It's like, no, it's for Nachala. Okay, and then we excluded an island in Sadasaurus. So, Amar of Avotab, even though we have a rule in the whole Torah, no Pasuk is excluded from its simple understanding. I, even though we make many droshas and we read the Psukim on many layers and different levels, we don't exclude from the straightforward reading of the Pasuk. He says, Haka, I see. But here, the Gzaira Shava comes and excludes it completely from 
the simple reading. Again, the simple reading is that you name the son after the deceased brother. If the brother who died was Yosef, you name the firstborn son Yosef. We've, the Shavu said that's not true, there's no such thing. And even though generally we would maybe make the drosha, I, both for inheritance and here it's excluded by the Xerashava. So now the Gomorrah says, oh, believe Xerashava, have the Amina, shame, shame, mamish. You're telling me, if not for the Xerashava, I would have thought when it says name, it means literally name him after the deceased brother. He says, Laman, Komazar, Rachmona, the Yovam. Who's the Torah speaking to? If you read the Pasuk, it doesn't make sense. Who's the Torah speaking to? The Yovam, maybe it's speaking to the Yovam. Yokum al Shem Then it should have said, you should set it up in the name of your brother. It says his brother, in, in the name of his brother. It should say in the name of, you should, if it's speaking to the one who did Yibum, it should say, name him after your brother. And if it's speaking to Beisdin, it should have said, um, name him after his brother's, his father's brother. So who's, who else is this Pasuk speaking to, if not to the Yovam, and it can't be, or to, to the brothers in general, and it's not, and it can't be referring to names. I don't need the Maybe the Torah is saying based in as follows. Based in you must say to the Yovam, name him after his brother's name. Therefore, Ella Aisia Xerashavah Afkis Ella Gamra, and therefore the Xerashavah comes and excludes it completely. So, just a uh, uh, last point. Okay, we would have thought by reading the Pasuk on the surface that you must name the son after the deceased brother. When the Yovam has a, when the Yovam has a son, he must name him Yosef after his brother's Yosef. Comes along the Xerashavah and says, no, that's not a true halacha. And Robert says it's the only time in the Chumash that that is the case. There's an interesting discussion. Um, again, for us it's not so relevant because we, uh, we don't do Yibum. When there's an option of doing Yibum, we always do Chalitza. That's, how we, and that's what we do, so it doesn't practice. But there's a discussion. The, I think I'll pee uh, Kabbalah and stuff. They say you actually shouldn't name it after the deceased brother because it's a little, he had a little bit of a tragic laugh. He's, he died with our children. And you shouldn't name someone after someone who had a tragic laugh. Okay, that's a, I don't know, that's not a hard and fast rule, but that's some Alpikabola say such a thing. Um, another aspect, on the other hand, some actually say the Minak, even though we generally see a Posuk never leaves a simple explanation, except in this case where there's no mitzvah to name it, still Minak Yisrael is to follow the simple explanation of the Posuk. And almost to undo that rule. But I don't know if that's what... I mean, as I said, it's not... We wouldn't have such a minah because we never do yibum. And there's another interesting question. The Sefer Achinuch, um, the Minchas Chinuch asks, there's another example of a posuk that's taken out of a simple explanation. You're not allowed to put a stumbling block before a blind person. If you look at all those who count the mitzvahs, what does that mitzvah tell us? You're not allowed to do lifna Iver. You're not allowed to call someone to do an Avera. And that's where it discusses passing someone a Nozirwan or something like that. You're not allowed to do something that will cause someone else to do an Avera. Or give someone bad advice. That's those like the Rambam amongst others when they count the mitzvahs and they get to live there. Even those initial, they don't mention taking a brick. You see a blind person walking down the street and they don't mention putting a brick in front of him. Now, obviously, that's not a Vahaftar Rechakamoycha and there are many other Yisurim and it's a mean thing to do to put a brick in front of a blind person walking. But they should say you get lashes for transgressing the posse of putting a brick in front of a blind person walking. 
They all seem to learn it not by a simple explanation. So that the Minchas Chinuch asks, why don't this should either add this to the list of sukim that are taken out of their simple explanation, or at least mention that point that uh, if you would put a brick in front of a blind person, you would get lashes, and that they don't. Um, okay. Okay, now that you have said that the Pasuk is referring to not the Bechor himself, but the older of the brothers, we're going to have trouble and we're going to discuss this till, till over the page. Uh, yeah, why does it use the word Bechor? Just use the word Godol, oldest. Don't use the word Bechor, which literally means firstborn son. And not even firstborn son, firstborn to the parents, the son who, if he's the firstborn. So it says, um, Maybe we should say that only a Bechor, only a firstborn son, does Yibum, but not a, but not a regular son. So there's no, Why would I ever need the Torah to exclude his brother's, um, the wife of a brother who was not in the world at the same time. Remember, we know there's a special drosha because it says Yachtov, uh, Yoshvu, dwelling together. The brothers must be, to do Yibum, it must be the brother at the same time. But if Yibum is only ever with his oldest, with his brother, who's the Bechor, you'll never end up with a scenario of thinking that a younger brother who wasn't born at the same time should be Yibum. We would never ever think that anyone besides the Bechor should do Yibum. So he says, Baruch, yes. The older brother has the first option. Yes, I mean, so that's shut at the end. That's what we brought from the Mishnah. The oldest brother gets first options. When you're asking which brother wants to do Yibum, you go to the oldest brother first and say, do you want to do Yibum? That's, that's at the end of the day. But the question is, but the word Bechor means firstborn son. And it makes sense to tie it, as we're going to see, and as we mentioned, it, it's all tied to inheritance. And we know there's special halachas by the Bechor, that the Bechor gets a double portion of inheritance. So it's, and it sounds like we're tying it to that Bechor. So why, why, what, what's that halacha for? Why does it use the word Bechor? So it can't be referring to the Bechor in the limited sense, because then there would never need to be an exclusion of Aishas Ochiv, Shalohoyah Ba'elamoy. If you're always speaking about the oldest brother, you're never going to have to a case that you would think that a younger brother who's born after the brother died should do yibum. So she says maybe it's excluding the Bukhar of the mother. Aye, there could be two Bukhars. There's the eldest son to the father and the oldest son to the mother. And maybe either one could do yibum. It says Bukhar. So either of those two brothers could do yibum. And maybe the mother's one was born long after the father's one and therefore it's Aisha Song Chilo Yivarim. He says, no, Ahulam Moses you can't say the Yibum benachla tolerachmana benachla minahav velo minahayim. No, because the whole parasha of Yibum is connected, is hanging on the parasha of inheritance and we know inheritance is only through the father and not through the mother. Okay, fine. So we're still struggling. Why does it say, Oh, but Emma, ki ika bukhor tiskai mitzvah zibum, ki leika bukhor lo tiskai mitzvah zibum. He says, Okay, so fine. So maybe there is only a mitzvah of yibum when there is a bukhor. If there is no bukhor, there is no mitzvah of yibum. So Omakro, the Apostle says, No, umais echod mehem. Milo askin and the mais bukhor, for Omarachmona le yavim katan. It says, When one of the brothers dies, could that not be a case where the Bechor dies and one of the others do Yibum? So we see that it doesn't necessarily have to be Bechor. She says, oh, She says, no, maybe the cases where one of the younger brothers did died, 
And maybe we're limiting the pasuk or the whole mitzvah of yibum to where one of the younger brothers die, and then we're going to say, okay, in that case, the bechor will do yibum. No, the Torah's already excluded it with aishas of Again, as soon as you're assuming yibum is is limited to an to the oldest brother, then there's no such thing as because remember what's that you had a brother, Reuven Shimon, you had Reuven and Shimon, Reuven died without children, and then before Shimon does Yibum, Levi's born. But if we're trying to learn that Yibum is only ever with the Bukhari, you're never going to end up with this case that Levi's born later. Even without, whether, whenever Levi's born, even Shimon, the second brother, they'll never do Yibum because Yibum's only with the Bukhari. So, can't, so can't, by the fact that the Torah excludes Aishas Ochim Shalom we see that Yibum is not limited to the to the Bechor. Okay, so maybe it uses the word Bechor to tell us that if there's a Bechor and one of the younger brothers do Yibum, it works. If the, sorry, if there's no Bechor and one of the younger brothers do Yibum, it works. But if there's a Bechor. Only the Bukhar can do Yibum. So now he says, Oma, Krok, Yeshu, Achim, Yaktov, when brothers dwell together. Hukshu, Yeshivas, Achim, Zelazir. It's basically equates all brothers to each other. That Pazog is telling us any of the brothers can do Yibum for any of their brothers that die without children. Okay, fine. So the Eimah, Ki, Ika, Bukhar, Le, Hadir, Agorol, Ki, Leika, Bukhar, Ein, Chosim. Eitzel, Gorol. Okay, so maybe what it means that if there is a Bukhar, and you have asked all the other brothers to do Yibum, you go back to the Bechor and forced him to do Yibum or Chalitza, as the mitzvah is specifically on him. But if there is no Bechor, then there's no order of precedence. It says, But then why would Abaya Keshisha teach the following Brysa? If the mitzvah is for the oldest brother, he gets first rights to the Yibum. And if not, you go to, uh, not youngest, but to a younger brother. If not for that, you go back to the Godel. So we see, even if there is no Bechor, you give precedence to the elder brother. Again, we're trying to work out, as I said, the one way of looking at this whole sugi is, why does it use this word Bechor is Yibum limited to the Bechor, is Yibum limited to a case where there is a Bechor, etc. We're coming after nothing, and, and, and then we said, okay, so maybe there's a primary mitzvah of Yibum on Bechor, but one of the other brothers could do Yibum. Maybe that's what we mean. So he says, no, because Marka Shisha teaches that the first rites go to the eldest of the brothers. It's not nothing to do with Bechor. Again, remember, if a girl is born first, then there's no Bechor. Or if the Bechor was the one who died, then there's no Bechor. And still we're saying that you go back to the elders, the eldest of the brothers. The eldest living of the brothers. That's his first rites. So it's still got nothing to do with Bechor, the firstborn son. Um, yeah. So this is just as a Bechor tells us that it's his firstbornness that gets him his status, so too with the Godel, it's his being the eldest of the living brothers that gets him his special status with Yibum. Okay, fine, so still, why does he use Okay, so maybe it's teaching us that when the Bechor does Yibum, he gets the inheritance of the brother. But if one of the other brothers do Yibum, they don't get the inheritance of the brother. So, 
No, the Pasuk says that he will be in place of his brother, and at the end of the day, he is in place of his brother. So again, the key point for Yibum is not that he's the elder Bechor doing Yibum and therefore he gets the inheritance. The point is, the brother that does Yibum gets the inherit, inherits his brother. Generally, yeah, I should, have, I should have pointed this out at the beginning, but generally what would be if a brother dies and he doesn't have children? So he's, well, it would go up to his father if he doesn't have a father. Then it goes to his brothers. His brothers would split the inheritance. But in the case of Yibum, the brother who does Yibum inherits him. There's a question of whether he also gets a share in the father's inheritance. Let's say a father has four sons. So one of them died without children and one of the brothers did Yibum to him. So does the brother who does Yibum get two shares, his share and his brother's share or not? But, it, but the key, definitely what's agreed upon, and that's what the Apostle tells us, is that the brother gets... Um, that the brother gets does yibum. Uh, sorry, the brother who did yibum inherits the brother who died. But and that's irrelevant of which whether it was the oldest brother or a younger brother, etc. So the elabachor de kroy rachmana lamai hilchasa. So why does the pasuk use the word bachor? Use gadol as we do. We have no reason to to change any law. Says no legriusa. To limit him. Just as a Bechor, when he's inheriting, he only takes, he does not take in possessions that will come to him. So to this one, does not take in what's Roy like in Muxak. What does that mean? You have certain times when someone dies, they have obviously property on hand, and then they have property that will come to them, either future inheritance. Um, you could say, I mean, a little bit of touch one, loans, loan, um, you know, things like that, money that will come into the estate in the future. That's ro'oi. Ro, a Bukhar doesn't inherit ro'oi. He only, when a Bukhar gets a double portion, he only gets his double portion in, what, in what's in the estate at the moment, not future property that will fall to the estate. And so too this Yavam. He inherits his brother, but only what he will get in the future. Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah. If someone has was slandered and there are rumors going about him for sleeping with a slave or a non-Jew and the slave gets freed, so now she's a regular Jew, or he had rumors going about him for sleeping with a non-Jew and then the non-Jew converts, Harei loyi konos. The imkonos ain't moitzin miyado. She's not allowed to, he's not allowed to marry her. But if he does marry her, we don't make him get divorced. Okay, and so he had, there were rumors about this guy and a non-Jewish woman, and then she converts. We don't let him marry her. We'll see in the Gomorrah one. It says, al What happens if there are rumors going, about a ma- going out about a man that he, was, had a, that he committed adultery with this woman? And then based in made him, her get divorced. Oh, we're going to have to, we're going to establish this basically that had to have been Aiden. But Beisdin made her get divorced from her husband because she was an adulteress. Because of him, even if he marries her, Yotzi, we then make him get divorced. And we'll analyze this a bit further down in the Gomorrah. But the key, but what's important to realize, there's a negative commandment for a, a woman who commits adultery to remain with her husband. That might only be when they're Aiden. But so if they're Aiden, if there's verification that she committed adultery, so they're going to make her get divorced. She's not allowed to remain with her husband. Uh, it's a negative commandment. And similarly, 
the adulteress is not allowed to marry the adulterer. So when she gets divorced, she's now not allowed to go marry the adulterer, the man she committed adultery with. And that's why if she got divorced because of him, and then they get married, he has to get divorced from her. The second man, this one who committed adultery with her when she was married to her first husband, has to get divorced. Okay, now, it seems from the first part that nevertheless she is a convert. I, we said, it said, Hanit, if someone has a rumor about, about sleeping with a non-Jew and she converts, he's not allowed to marry her. But it doesn't say that it's not a valid conversion. Now why? Viriminu. But that seems to be contradicted. It said, Isha, whether a man converts because he wants to marry a Jewish woman, or a non-Jewish woman converts to marry a Jewish man, or he converts uh, when the Jews are powerful, the Shum Abdei Shlomo, he converts to join the uh, slaves of Shlomo, who are also very powerful. Ainon Geirim, they're not valid Geirim. If someone's converting for another reason, I to get married, or for the power that Jews have, it's not a valid conversion. said, whether someone's converting because they're afraid of lions. I lions were it's a case the Kutim were attacking the Kutim were being attacked by lions and they realized that the Jews worked, so they converted to be saved. Or he converted because his dream said he must. Or an astrologer or someone said he must. All those who converted in the times of Mordechai and Esther. If you read at the end of the Megillah, it says, Many misyahadim, many became Jews. I, the Jews were so powerful and victorious, and I mean, the light was shining on them, so a whole lot of people in the time of Mordechai and Esther converted to Judaism. Einom Geirim, they're not valid. Geirim, Aji, Geiru, Bismanazeh, unless they convert now. In our times. Oh, Bismanazeh, Sakadat, you telling me that the only valid converts are people who converted in the times of. I guess the Gemara says, no, like in our times. What are like in our times when the Jews are oppressed and lowly? Either we don't accept converts if they're converting for other reasons besides that they want to join the Jewish people with the difficulties of the Jewish people, not when the, when the Jews, Jews are successful. It says, Didn't the halacha is like the one who says that all of them are valid gayrim. So what do we say? He says, no, you're right. There is this opinion of Rabbi Nehemiah that anyone who converts for any other reason is not a valid convert. But there's a tradition that there's an opinion that argues and the, and the halacha is like the opinion who argues. So if someone does convert for another reason, then uh, it's a valid conversion. That's how we would pass him. So now, so what's so special is our Mishnah said that if a man married, if a woman if there's rumors going about a man sleeping with a non-Jew and then she converts, he's not allowed to marry her. But why not? She's a valid, she's a fully-fledged convert. It's not like we wanted to assert that, you know what, if it's, it's a doubtful convert because maybe she's not converting sincerely, she's just converting to marry this man. You know, okay, then we understand. Tell him not to marry her. But in this scenario, why not? She's a fully-fledged convert. Let him marry her. She says, no, Mishum to Rebbe Asi. Because of what Rabbi Asi taught, Omar Rabbi Asi, remove from yourself basically wagging tongues. Uh, you shouldn't do something that brings bad reputation, that causes people to speak badly about you. Now, what's going to happen? There are rumors going about this man sleeping with an Anju. A few months later, she converts. And then, another, and then he goes and marries her. 
What are people going to say? You see those first rumors were true. It just strengthens the rumors. So you shouldn't do something. I mean, I think this is an important, valuable opinion, a valuable uh, shit in life. You don't do things that bring uh, disrepute on yourself. Don't do actions that confirm rumors that people were saying negatively about you. Okay, so that's the end of the piece. We understand now again why. Again, there's no isur in marrying, there's no clear isur in marrying a non-Jew who someone had rumors about, that they, that they were intimate when they, when they were non-Jew and she converts. There's nothing also, but as Ravasi says, again, you can say it, it is a kind of isur, you shouldn't do something which will strengthen the, the rumors about you. Negatively. So, Ton Rabbonin, now we go into New Bryce. Also, once we mention Gairim, we're going to say an halach. It says, Ain Makarim, Gairim, Moisha Mashiach, you're not allowed to accept Gairim in the times of Mashiach. Similarly, they didn't accept Gairim in the times of David and Shlomo. David, because he was a very powerful warrior, so you don't, want, you don't want to be on the opposite side of the battlefield to him. Shlomo, because Shlomo brought all the wealth. Shlomo was a very prosperous king. Omer Rabbi Eliezer, Micro. Rebele says, where do we see this in the Pasuk? He says, hey, gur, yo, gur. If they convert, they must convert. If they want to convert, they must convert without me. Mi geritcho. The ones who convert with you, those will, um, those will fall with me. Those will get oilam hamba. What are we saying? Those who want to convert must convert with Arashem. I must convert when you can't see Hashem is with the Jews. I like nowadays in the times, I guess in the times of Mordechai and Esther before they were victorious, but in the times where you can see that Hashem is with the Jews, David, Shlomo, Yemoisam, Sheikh, etc., then you can't, you don't accept them. We would not accept. It's quite an amazing thing we're saying, but almost that when a convert, one of the key points of when a convert wants to convert, is that he's converting to join the Jewish people in their suffering, with the difficulties they have. If he's joining the Jewish people because they're prosperous or when they're prosperous, we're not keen to, not that, and it's awesome, but we're not keen to accept them. Because they're converting for the wealth, they're converting for the power, etc. Okay, So then we said if someone had rumors about him committing adultery. Omar Rav Uva Aidim. Rav says, and it must be where they were Aidim. Because we mentioned that Baizdim made him get divorced, and then even if he gets, after they divorced, he, um, Baizdim make her get divorced from her first husband, and then here, when they get divorced, they get, sorry, get divorced, and then he goes and marries her, this woman that he committed adultery with, they must get divorced. Basically, make him get divorced. Rav said that specifically where she got divorced from her first husband with Adim. So Amar Rav says, "I'm in a key noim v'shochiv Rav." Amar Lahishmaisa, Rav must have been fast half asleep when he said this. Doesn't make sense that someone on Rav's grade level would have uh, said such a thing. Says the Tanya, as we learned in Brisa, "Hanitan alaishes is for hitziah." If someone has rumors about a married woman, and then she gets divorced. Basically, because of him, and then she divorces someone else. Right, so you had this woman who committed adultery, and then she got divorced because of the adultery, and then she remarried someone, uh, another man, uh, unconnected, and then she got divorced from her second husband. If he now marries her, Either adulterer marries this woman, 
to get divorced. What's the case? If you say that there were Aidim witnesses to the adultery, then why would they get divorced? Sorry, just because she married someone in the interim and the rumors have stopped, I mean, people say, oh, she got divorced because of him and because of the adultery. No, those rumors have stopped because she married an independent party, but it was still, it's still also for the adulterer to ever marry her. As we said, there's a negative commandment. So, Ella loved the Lake Aidim. It must be where there were no Aidim. But time the Asa Achava Afsakela Kala, whole love Hachi Mafkinen. And it must be because when she marries a second, there were no Aidim. It was just a strong rumor. And when, when she now marries an, an independent party, that cancels the rumors because she's just now with another man. And then when she gets divorced, and now. She could um, um, this the original one who the rumors were about could marry her. So Omale Rab Rab Omalakho Rab Rab will tell you no. Who had din Afakabdullah Even if there wasn't a husband in the interim that stopped the rumors. If there were Aidim, we make him get divorced. Again, him as the adulterer. Make the adulterer get divorced. If there were no aidim to the adultery, we do not make the adulterer get divorced. And this is what it's saying. Even though another one comes and the rumor stops, he should still not get married. Ah, you might have thought, okay, so are we discussing a case where there no aidim? And you might have thought, okay, so if they know, they know Aiden. There were rumors about this man committing adultery with this woman. There were no Aiden, but she got divorced because of the rumors. And then she went and married another man. So now the rumors are stopped because she's not, doesn't seem to be friendly with the adulterer. He still, the adult, when she subsequently gets divorced from her second husband, he still shouldn't marry her. Okay, but if she does, it would be a better marriage. Now Macy Bay, so they challenged Rab from another source. When is this? When she doesn't have children from the first husband. But if she does have children from the first husband, we do not make her get divorced. Ah, why is that? So Rashi explains. If she had, so again, what happened to her? She had children with a man. She, she was married and had children, and then there were rumors about adultery. Rab says they were him, and we make her get divorced. If she, and then she subsequently married the adulterer. In that case, if she has children with the first husband, then we don't make them get divorced because if you make them get divorced, you're giving credibility to the... You're giving credibility. You're saying that the adulterer was true, which now people are going to start suspecting those children of being mamzerim. If there are no children, then we do make him get divorced because of the negative commandment, because it's not going to, there's, no, there's no one else that it's affecting. So that's the reason why, um, um, if there were children from her first marriage, we do, and she subsequently marries the, got divorced, and then marries the adulterer, we do not make her get divorced from the adulterer. She wasn't in the first case, but if they did get married then uh, we don't, we would not make her get divorced because of the... But is it a proper marriage if she married, if she married the... Adultery. The adultery. Yeah, she should not have. 
it was also for her to marry that doucher. And if there were if there were eight him, it's a negative commandment. But Basin still aren't gonna force him to divorce her. Um because they were children, because of the children. Um, yeah, the aid, so, so, sorry, that's all where there is no Adem. It's just rumors. It's just a strong suspicion that she committed adultery. But if there are Adem to the adultery, then no matter how many children there are, we make her get divorced because that's where there's a negative commandment. I think that's what you're going on, Benji. Yeah. Where there's no Adem, then it's just a suspicion. But if there were Adem, well then she's definitely also to her to the adulterer, and therefore even if they're children, we would make her get divorced. Because of that. And Rav says, Our Mishnah must be a case where there were children and there were Adem. I based in still force him to get divorced even though there were children. Oh my Dukka Rav why is Rav reading all this extra stuff into the Mishnah and saying the Mishnah must be a case where there were children and there were Adim and that's why we're making her get divorced from the adulterer? Just learn it as a case where there were um, no Adim and there were no children. Sorry, and if there were children. Sorry. Yeah, that if there were no Adim, we would not make her get divorced. Just look Establish it as a case where there are no children and there were no Adim, and that's why she has to get divorced. Remember, we said if the Adim, whether or not they're children, even if they're children, we make him get divorced. From the, we make her divorce the adulterer. If they're no Adim, then if they're children, we make him get divorced. If they're no children, we don't make him get divorced. Sorry, other way around. If there are no children, then we make him get divorced. Sorry, yeah. So Amar Rav, Rav says, my nisim kashaisa. The Mishnah was difficult. It says, my area detani hoitziu, listeni hoitziu. Why does it teach they made her get divorced? Rather teach she got divorced. Ella kol hoitziu based in. It must be when it says they make her get divorced, cause her to get divorced. That's referring to Beisdin. Well, Beisdin, the Aidin Hudamavki, Beisdin would only have intervened and forced her to get divorced if there were Aidin. So, in short, yeah, sorry, it got a little bit confusing in the middle there. Um, I don't think I expressed it clearly. But in short, how Rav learns is firstly, Beisdin are only going to make a woman get divorced, force a woman to get divorced for adultery if there were Aidin. Might be certain answer, but that would be the general rule. Basin, because what, what are they, someone ran in the, because of rumors they're going to make a man get divorced. So that would be if there were no Adim, but for whatever reason they still got divorced, strong suspicion or whatever it is, they still got divorced, then she's not allowed to marry the accused adulterer or the rumored adulterer. However, if she did marry the adulterer, then it depends if there were children from the first marriage or not. If there were children from the first marriage, we allow her to remain married to the adulterer. Why? Because if you say that they have to get divorced, then you're saying there definitely was adultery in the first marriage, and that, and now you're saying that the children could be Mamzerian. So therefore, if, the, if there were children, then you don't make her get divorced from the second husband. But if there were no children, then as a penalty for him, uh, they, they, they clearly acted very suspiciously that 
in the end the first husband got married, got divorced because of him. So it was obviously quite strong rumours, quite strong allegations. Not enough for Basin to force him to get divorced, but enough for the wife, for them to get divorced. So then if he does marry her, we make him get divorced. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today.